Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Solutionaries Podcast. I'm Solutionaries producer, Jeremy Allen. So, Solutionaries, what the heck does that mean, right? Well, we're all about solutions. It's right there in the name, right? Solutionaries. We highlight the creative thinkers and doers in communities who find and provide answers or fixes to some of our biggest problems. The system's broke, and we're the last line of defense against something. So are you trying to fix the system? We're trying to turn that system on its head. It it, it almost feels like there's nothing you can do to to fix the situation, so. We must be more effective. And my chief of police, my deputy chief, my city manager in this city, they're innovative and they make sure that we have the tools that we need in order to do the job. I do believe in de-escalation. I believe in the heat of the moment. You have cool head, you know, cooler heads prevail. And I do believe in de-escalation. In each story, we provide a response to a problem. We give insights on how the response works, show evidence of that working response, and then to be fully transparent, we supply limitations to those solutions that we feature. Because we know perfection isn't attainable, but solutions, both large and small, imperfect as they may be, are still solutions. Solutionaries is a Graham Media Group production utilizing resources, reporting teams, and brain power from seven different newsrooms from around the country. You can see our reporting by searching the word Solutionaries on YouTube or just by going to solutionariesnetwork.com. Now, to be clear about the term Solutionaries, we're not saying that our team of reporters are Solutionaries, but rather our team is covering the people in the cities and towns that solve problems. Those people, those are the Solutionaries. And in every story that we tell, we want to supply solutions provided by those smart people. We want to show what can be done by people just like you to make things better. When we started this project, we began with the topic police-community relations. And that's a very divisive topic. Was then, still is. Our production meetings were breeding grounds for interesting conversations that weren't always comfortable. I I particularly remember us talking about fear, that we believe that a lot of police officers come to the table and they're automatically afraid and they're automatically intimidated by black people. Those officers who are trying to interact well with black children at a young age are probably the ones trying to make a difference. So we shouldn't bash them for doing that. You're, you're, you're right, because, because they are also, they're building uh, a relationship with communities as well. Yes. It's just, it's, I guess if, if there wasn't the issue that's at hand, it wouldn't be bothersome to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think it becomes self-serving when the police department posts it. I think mm-hmm. it's not self-serving when... You know, if, say, Lewis, okay, like you ran across, like, a cop, like, playing basketball with some kids to the point where he's, like, putting moves on the kids, and you're like, oh, he's doing this with his gun belt on, and he's having a good time, you know, and that wasn't put out by the police agency. And those discussions continued in the stories done by our reporting team. And with this particular topic of police-community relations, we're talking about many different things. But race is at the forefront. And to better understand one of the issues, one of the bigger issues when it comes to race, is comprehending the phrase implicit bias. Here's Brianna Valls with a detailed explanation. Implicit bias. It's something you've probably heard a lot about recently, but you might not really know what it means. So to define it, let's start by breaking it down. First, what's the meaning of the word implicit? 
By definition, and shout out to Merriam-Webster for this one, something that is implicit is present but not consciously held or recognized. Basically, it's something that's there, we just may not realize it's there. That's implicit. Now on to bias, which is an inclination of temperament or outlook, especially a personal unreasoned judgment. Others might refer to this as prejudice, which Merriam-Webster defines as a preconceived judgment or opinion. Now, if you marry those two definitions, an implicit bias is an attitude, feeling, or even stereotype we assign to certain people or things without knowing the whole story. And since we don't realize we have them, we're probably not going to realize when they're affecting our decision-making, which experts say makes them really hard to get rid of. Somewhere you might spot an implicit bias now that you know what to look for. Well, let's say you're sitting in traffic and you see someone approaching your car. Something inside you tells you to lock your car. What was that something? Did you consider that person a threat because they look a certain way? Because of their sex? Maybe their race? When you automatically assume something about someone else after taking just one look at them, you might have an implicit bias. So that's implicit bias. A small phrase, but a big explosive concept. We want to see, you know, checks and balances. You know, if you expect me... Another goal of our show is to have our audience be part of the conversation. We want to be informed by you, not assume to know what you want us to report about. Instead, have you help steer conversations. And in that spirit, our team assembled a panel of citizens to help our reporting about policing. That people are being killed and they're not, the very, very few officers are actually getting the punishment, I guess, for murder like a normal civilian would. During this panel, Solutionaries host, Louis Bolden, was also joined via Zoom by Daytona Beach Police Chief Chikari Young, who gave unique perspective on being a black police officer who has had different experiences in and out of uniform. Ask any person of color, and they can remember at least one time they got an extra look by security in a department store. They had someone lock a car door as they walked by, or they were stopped by police because somehow they looked suspicious. It happens to every person of color, even a police chief. During our conversation with our panelists, Chief Jakari Young weighed in with some personal experiences. What is it like to walk through the world being a police chief and a black man? It's very interesting. Interesting because I can literally tell you I've been in stores in plain clothes and you can see body language. You can see a level of discomfort um, to where if I'm in uniform, that same person that appears to be uncomfortable by my presence, they won't stop talking to me because I'm in uniform and they love the police. So they'll come up to me and they want to talk to me and tell me stories about, you know, other family members that they know in law enforcement. And they'll stand there and they'll talk to you for 15, 20 minutes. But if I'm in plain clothes, I've literally seen a, perch, a, a purse, purse clutch underneath my arm. They have no idea. I'm the police chief and I would be the first one to help you. Obviously, that's a problem that's much bigger than you and the Daytona Beach Police Department. But how do we as a country begin to correct that? You know what? I don't know. I don't have that answer. I think, you know, it's all in how we're raised and where we're raised. 
you know, we've already talked about implicit bias. Implicit bias is real. And I honestly don't have that answer. I think we have to continue to have these dialogues and discussions and we need to just be able to see people for who they are. But I don't know if there's a way to just completely overcome it, at least in my lifetime. I honestly don't know. I don't want Chief Young's message to get lost here. His experiences say a lot about public perception. One of the small details, though, in his statement also caught my attention. If I'm in uniform, that same person that appears to be uncomfortable by my presence, they won't stop talking to me because I'm in uniform and they love the police. They love the police is what he said. And that is not necessarily what we've seen or heard over the past several months. They're now chanting defund the police. There's a new call for deep structural reform of policing across the country. Defunding the police has become a rallying cry. Oh my God, I was like, obviously devastated. I'm tired of this happening over and over again. This is Megan Thomas. She's with the Tampa Bay Activist Network in Florida. And right here, she's talking to Louis Bolden about the murder of George Floyd. It's really hard to think about. <laughs> I. It's very traumatizing. So even talk about it, I'm getting like choked up. Megan is one of many believe that policing in America simply isn't working. I believe in defunding the police as a avenue to slowly phase the police system out. That would be your ideal vision to eventually. Absolutely. Um, when something's not working over and over again for decades and decades, you know, you got to change it and this system isn't working, people are dying. Why would, why would we continue with, uh, why would we continue with a system that's literally murdering people on the streets? Defund the police. This can mean different things to different people. For some, it's a potential solution for others, it's anarchy. This discussion actually created a lot of debate within our own production team about our responsibility as journalists. Was it okay to give a platform to people calling for the end of policing as we know it? Was it okay to even ask that question? We know that many are calling for a drastic change, but is it beneficial to society to shed light on a drastic change without knowing the outcome? Ultimately, we decided it was a valid part of the story, of course, because it's a major social narrative. So we have to figure out a different way to go about, you know, crime, uh, fixing crime, because police doesn't, don't even fix crime. So there's obviously better solutions out there that we need to start exploring. Megan's message isn't new to police. In fact, they've heard it many, many times before. And not only have they heard it, but they've actually taken many steps to figure out new ways to help citizens. Focus on that front sight. All right, squeeze the trigger, squeeze. It is a 360 degree simulator. Hands out like an airplane. Designed to prepare officers for real life situations. This simulator in Central Florida is designed to better prepare officers during hostile situations. In fact, 65% of these simulations are designed to teach officers to not shoot. 
Look, we can work this out. But, but instead, de-escalate the situation. De-escalation can be communication, it can be listening, uh, employing empathy, creating distance to give yourself more time to make decisions. Captain Todd Gardner is with the Orange County, Florida Sheriff's Office. Is the goal to stop or to lower the number of shootings, is that the ultimate goal? As a 26-year veteran in law enforcement, I can tell you that, that your goal is never to, to end a situation with, with use of force and certainly not with the use of deadly force. Chitwood says he knows people look to him and his office to help solve a lot of their problems. But he says the reality just isn't that simple. Everything that goes wrong in society gets shoved down, shoved down to the cops. We get it. That's Sheriff Mike Chitwood of Volusia County, Florida. With mental health, drugs, homelessness, you think of it. People, why are cops dealing with that? Because the system's broke and we're the last line of defense against something. So are you All trying cops. to fix the system? We're trying to turn that system on its head. We wanted to find out not only what Chitwood is doing, but why. Solutionaries reporter Eric Sandoval. Those changes began as soon as Chitwood took the oath of office in 2017. And I'm duly qualified to hold office. The first one implementing new training for his deputies, starting with the basics of how deputies respond to calls. Deputy Ryan, Volusia County Sheriff's Office. Right out of the gate, Chitwood started with de-escalation training. I just woke up like this, and then All my right. room was like this, and I don't remember anything. I got somebody here to help you, and they, they want to take you somewhere where we can get you cleaned up. Where deputies learned how to end stressful encounters peacefully. Damn. The training was put to a big test in June. That's when deputies engaged in a standoff with a 12-year-old boy and a 14-year-old girl, armed with an AK-47 and a shotgun. You can hear shooting at the children was not what the deputy wanted to do. Don't let me do this. Don't do this. It wasn't until they say the girl came out of the house firing her gun that they were forced to fire back. What's your name? And they immediately jumped in to help her. When we first embarked on this de-escalation training and time, distance, and cover, I got yelled at and screamed at, you're going to get deputies killed, somebody's going to die. What you see is injuries to deputies have dropped by 50%. Injuries to suspects have dropped by 50%. Crime has dropped by double digits. So continuous de-escalation training appears to be a solution in Volusia County, Florida. But not everybody's buying it. Do you think officers are using these de-escalation techniques? No, not at all, not at all. And um, if they've gone through training, evidently they're not using it. I, you know, we see it all the time on the news. Do you think officers use those alternatives enough? It again depends on the situation. If you have a gun pointed at you, who's like, I mean, they have to protect themselves as well. Mm -hmm. But I do believe in de-escalation. Okay. I believe in the heat of the moment. You have cool's head, you know, cooler heads prevail, and mm -hmm. I do believe in de-escalation. Cooler heads. That's one thing the police are working towards, but there's a lot that goes into that. A common thread in our reporting on this particular subject was the need for empathy. Empathy as a solution, not just from police, but from citizens too. How are police departments evolving? How are they adapting? What are they doing to show that they are hearing the messages loud and clear coming from the communities they serve? Solutionaries correspondent Eric Von Inken. 
So the Lake Mary Police Department started what they call the Mental Health Intervention Group. And as far as they know, and as far as we can tell, this is the first time that any police department has started uh, a nonprofit, really, involving so many partners all around the community. We've got to get you guys involved. Yeah. So, yeah. Poco personas. We're talking pharmacies, we're talking hospitals, uh, pastors, uh, rabbis. Provide food. Food pantries, bringing them all together, all on the same team, to give the mentally ill in their community exactly what they need. In some cases, delivering all the resources to these people directly. Social workers, 31 social workers. So the way this works is the police and the hospital. The Lake Mary's Police Department got creative to serve specific issues with specific solutions. The police and the hospitals identify the people who are suffering from a mental illness or in, in just in crisis, direct the social workers to those people's homes. They reach out to them, social workers reach out to them. They discover what do those folks need. You can find out more about the Lake Mary's Police Department by going to lakemaryfl.com slash police department. This episode touches on so many solutions. So let's recap some of our solutions. Officers should police each other. There should be more de-escalation training. Citizens and officers have to be more empathetic towards each other during interactions. Citizens must follow You can see them names. all. Just head to youtube.com and search solutionaries. Tons of answers, phenomenal storytelling, and the feeling that you've seen people devoted to make a positive impact in their community. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And if you know of creative problem solvers, maybe I'm talking about you, we want to hear about them. You can see more content at solutionariesnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Solutionaries is a Gram Media Group production.